Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Work podcast. As you recall, Disney at Work takes ideas, inspiration, stories, insights from the happiest place on earth and brings them to your organization so that you can adapt those same ideas and principles and concepts back to the work that you do. We're so glad to have you here today and we thank you for joining us. You'll recall that our last podcast was all about Disney Springs reopening. We did kind of a podcast, video, pose, pictures, all of that kind of stuff. Definitely check that out. In fact, be sure to check out our uh, our uh, notes page for this. It'll give a link to that uh, as well, but it, it shares all the things we're talking about today and, and links you to the things we shared last week. In the process of building out the video and the photos and everything I was going to share with that reopening of Disney Springs, I, um, I came across Josh DiAmaro, who was recently named the new chairman of Disney Parks, Experiences, and Products. He fills the place of Bob Chapik, who ha has recently been given the opportunity to be the CEO of the Walt Disney Company, with Bob Iger becoming simply the chairman. Josh and I had a unique, brief opportunity to chat while at Disney Springs. I believe what I observed and learned from that short dialogue, that, that small exchange, is a perfect springboard as to why I believe he is the right fit leader for the worst time. Um, especially because now the Disney parks are going through an enormously difficult period. How do you start up one of the greatest engines of all? So today we're going to share with you that exchange. We're going to talk about what it means, what it looks like. We're going to share a little bit more context about Josh's uh, history and experience and talk about what it means to you in being a leader. Now, just to set this up, and remember, always refer to the notes page, but remember, uh, if you did see the uh, Disney Springs reopening uh, video that I did, uh, I came that morning and I captured on the very first day it reopened, video and impressions of that first day. What the experience was like and what was different was really the focus. I noticed trash cans had been place so that they would automatically stay open so you didn't have to touch the can in opening it. I noticed how signage had been placed and and uh, how um, people were being queued into retail outlets and so forth of uh, that nature. What I wasn't expecting that morning was to meet any executives. There was already a private press event the day before. I really didn't process the possibility of running into anybody. Plus the property is large and running into someone is, is pretty happenstantial. That just really wasn't on my mind. But as I turned around the location where the Coke, um, uh, the Coke uh, retail operation is and started heading toward the uh, Orange Garage, I happened to, to notice him. And um, at first, my inkling was, well, maybe I ought to get a photo of him for later use because I'm also always referring to people on my, my posts and wouldn't it be great to get a photo? But then I thought, oh, he's got a mask on. That's not really going to help for the, the long haul. 
Um, and then I, I started to, as I was processing this, I noticed that um, he was quite intent on actively seeking out frontline cast members. He was going to each one individually, asking them, introducing himself, asking them what their role was, how it was going on the first day, so forth, which was probably all the more reason I didn't think I would, you know, interrupt. He seemed to be kind of in the zone of his role, doing what he really ought to be doing as, as uh, in, this, in this role that he, that he now has. Um, and so I started heading toward the Orange Garage and then noted that he and the individual accompanying him um, were doing the same. And as he went up the stairs, I realized how many would call out to him, say, hey, Josh, how you doing? Congratulations on your new role. And I was a little surprised because, mind you, we've been in a pandemic for the last umpteen months. And uh, he's only been here since October, having come from Disneyland. I thought, this is pretty impressive that even frontline people, and let me tell you, I know a lot of front people have not known who was running the place. So I thought that was kind of impressive. Moreover, I just really thought, this guy seems approachable. So I thought, why not? I'll approach him and ask him a question. Now, mind you, when you listen to this video, in just a minute, I'm gonna play the audio of it, and you can go actually see the video on the notes page. Just know when you play it, I looked like a buffoon. Keep in mind, I wasn't planning on asking him a question. I really thought through what I'd ask. And I really, I couldn't think of the word that I wanted to say. So the first 30 seconds is practically spent trying to figure out, help, ha having him try to figure out what I was trying to talk about. Um, and, and, and you might just say, well, of all the things you're going to talk about, don't you want to ask about when the parks are going to reopen or when the cruise line is going to start sailing again? Well, mind you, I would have loved to have been the person to have scored the answer to that question. But let me just say, I've been around long enough to know that is that answer, that response that moment is not going to come in an off-the-cuff conversation on the side. So I knew that, but I did know that there was something I might just ask about. And so this is the audio of the video in which I interviewed Josh. Please listen. Josh, may I ask you a question? I understand that you're... Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the name tag? Not the name tag, but the little lapels on your coat yeah. are actually made from the leftover pieces of Disney cast member costumes. Absolutely true. I love that. I think that is so awesome. You want to hear the story behind that? Yeah, please. So when I left the Disneyland Resort, yeah, um, I, I love that place. Um, I love this place as well. But You're going to love all the places I right now. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. My team gave me, um, each gave me a gift that was an actual piece of a cast member costume to make a pocket square. And I had everything from the trumpeter um, on, uh, on the band, on the, from the band to uh, custodial, which I still wear today, uh, but each is a cutout and, and I wear them as pocket squares when I have a jacket on all the time. I love the I love it. I think it sends an incredible message and it just flattens the organization in a very subtle, really. Now, now what you have to do is get somebody to sew new masks for you 
out of all the leftover costumes. So, yeah, that's, that's from my wife. So, hey, thank you so much. Congratulations. All right. So the word of the day is pocket squares. <laughs> that's what I was trying to think of. And I know I come off stupid not having remembered the word or phrase, but that is what it is. It's a pocket square. It's a little thing that goes in your pocket. And I was so impressed that I, I'm telling you, I got so much out of that simple observation and that moment that I had to talk to him. Let me share with you what I got out of those few minutes I spent with him. First of all, he walks in the shoes of the guest. Now that's the antithesis of the word bureaucracy. If you're not familiar with the etymology of the word bureaucracy, bureau is the French word meaning desk and the crassy is the Greek meaning to govern or rule. So essentially bureaucracy means to rule or govern from a desk. Let me tell you what does not work with bureaucracy is ruling from the back of a desk. You have to be out there. You have to be in the trench and no place is that more obvious than in the Disney parks. That's why I've posted many times, I'll try to include on the show notes, that picture of Walt Disney taken, black and white photo of him doing what we refer to in Disney traditions as the Disney dip, bending over, picking up trash and, and putting it in the garbage. You know what, here is a studio mogul. Here's one of the most respective created, creative entertainment icons of the 20th century and he's picking up trash in his own park. He could have easily called. He could have easily had 20 people around him and said, go get somebody to pick this up. But no, he dips down, picks up that trash and puts it away, which is one of the things we teach on day one of Disney traditions. Everyone picks up trash. If you haven't heard me share this story before, my uh, traditions trainer, Claudio Diaz, great, great guy who I've known many years, um, at, but I didn't know him until the day I actually did this traditions. He was a traditions guy. I remember him leading us into the Magic Kingdom. I remember us standing in front of the partner statue in front of Cinderella Castle. I remember while we were taking it all in, Claudio was busy picking up cigarette butts out of the planter and throwing them away. That is modeling the expectation that you have, which is the second thing, by the way. Beyond everybody picks up trash, now everybody wears a mask, okay? That's what Josh was doing. If you see the video, you'll see Josh is wearing a mask. He models what he expects of others, both the guests and the cast members. It's not easy, it's not fun, nobody wants to do it in that hot sun, but knowing or believing that this is in the best interest of everyone in terms of spreading, um, preventing the spread of COVID-19, they've decided that we all need to wear masks. And what does he do? He models that expectation. Now, I don't wanna get political here, but I just want you to look at some of the people out there who think they are big and important and in very key positions in our world. Are they wearing a mask? Do they model the behavior? That I saw from Josh tomorrow, modeling the behavior. Third, he's out there building relationships. 
He's out there. And, and by the way, he just got the promotion. He's now going to go back to California. He's now going to be in the Team Disney building. He's never going to see that kid who was picking up, who was sweeping trash down the street. He's never going to see them again. He's never going to see that cast member who called out to them again. It doesn't matter. But he stops and he takes the time to build relationships and nurture um, those moments with cast members. That is huge. I do not know anyone who is successful as a leader who does not, who does not create results by effectively um, building relationships with others. That's the combination. I talk about it in my book, Disney Leadership and You. Leadership excellence is attaining results by working effectively with others. And there he is, building those relationships, encouraging others. Fourth, he doesn't allow himself to be entouraged or managed. There wasn't a big team of people managing him right then and there. He, um, he, uh, there was an assistant with him. And interestingly enough, I don't know if she's a full-time assistant. I don't know what her role is. But when he told the pocket square story, if you heard correctly, she goes, really, I didn't know that. So she didn't even, she wasn't even aware of how uh, he was doing that. So that was, that was very cool. And, um, and I, believe me, I have been around other Disney uh, management at that executive level. I've been in the office of the president of Walt Disney World. I've been in the office of the chairman of parks and resorts. I've been in those offices, that bureaucracy that is called Team Disney, which has many good people working very, very hard. I'm not putting it down, but at the end of the day, you got to be out there. You got to be out and you can't be managed by others. I have seen former CEOs of the company walking world showcase with a team of people around him, an entourage of people. And those people are managing him. They are trying to make sure that nothing gets in the way of what he wants to do and that everything is perfect and that he walks away thinking all is well within the um, area that, that he is walking. And so I love the fact that I'm sure he was with uh, Jeff Valley, who is the new president of Walt Disney World. In fact, there's actually images that's there's actual images that seems like, I don't know if they were taken earlier or later in the day, I did notice that he was wearing a, a suit coat in that image, and he wasn't at the time, nor do I have any recall that he was carrying a coat. He wasn't carrying a coat at the time. So I keep thinking he must have come back later today. Of course, Team Disney is across the street, so it's not very far. But, um, but at any rate, um, I don't think this is new to Josh to come to and from the parks. Six, he shares stories. I loved how he said, let me tell you about that. Stories are the ways that you inspire and instruct and lead and train others. Walt Disney, the Walt Disney Company is a storytelling company. Leaders should be masterful storytellers. And it doesn't mean he once upon a time or anything like that. It just means, hey, let me tell you the story about it. And he gives a wonderful, simple story that emphasizes an interesting point that becomes num number seven. Now, I had heard about the pocket squares before. That's why I thought to ask him, although I couldn't think of the word at the time. But um, I was surprised that the story had a different telling than what 
I had heard, apparently I had not heard it correctly or I heard it wasn't listening earlier, but it was a recognition of Josh as he left Disneyland. Those different divisions, those different cast members wanted to honor Josh and did so by giving him a pocket square made out of the material of the costumes they wore in those areas. And so here's a situation in which people are recognizing their leader. Now, usually you think about leaders recognizing their subordinates, but here were people recognizing their leader. Boy, I, I say this in the video, this is a great story about flattening because it just simply says, you know, we're all together in this. I'm no better than you, You're, I'm no less than you. It's just a great story. There's so many great messages and we only spent two minutes together on that thing called pocket squares, which I couldn't even think of the word of. But isn't that, isn't that fascinating that you can take and gather these really key points because I think they're key points for any leader out there. Now, again, I do not pretend to know Josh Giamara. We're not like best friends forever or anything like that because I just met him on that one occasion. And of course, Walt Disney World's been closed, so we haven't really seen him a lot in action because we haven't been out into the park. But let me talk a little bit about Josh's experience at Disneyland. Prior to coming to Walt Disney World, he was with the Disneyland Resort, which he references in his story. And he talks about it, and it's shared with, um, with the cast of Walt Disney World, that, that when he was at Disneyland, his focus revolved around what he referred to as the three C's. Cast, or cast members, the employees of the company, community, meaning the larger, the larger picture. And that's a great place where the president of the resort plays. They play a role in kind of dealing with um, municipal, state, local leaders, all that type of thing. And then finally, third, commercial success. You got to be successful, right? You got to make the operation a success. Well, what did he do that supported those three C's while he was... Um, was serving as president of the Disneyland Resort. Well, for the casual outsider, the one commercial success or one big thing that you think about was how Star Wars Galaxy's Edge first opened. Uh, remember that it opened first at Disneyland out in California and then later in the summer at Walt Disney World. Curiously, Rise of the Resistance would later open first at Walt Disney World, but actually Josh had by then made his move out to Florida. So it's kind of an interesting thing that um, he kind of led the opening of these Star Wars creations, but definitely there at Disneyland. So you'd say, well, that's the big thing that's been happening over the last couple of years is that big building out of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Well, yes, to the average tourist, that's the case. But there were some bigger and frankly harder issues to deal with during Josh's tenure at Disneyland. Those were really moments for Josh to rise above the fray. These were opportunities to step forward to and to lead. It began when Disney started to move forward on the design and the construction of a luxury hotel under uh, the auspices of an agreement with the city of Anaheim that it would provide um, 
hundreds of millions in subsidies, something like 260 something in million in subsidies. That project had, if you had not seen the design, I got to put that in the notes page. Um, uh, the, the original design for that hotel, which frankly didn't inspire me. It just seemed like a spread out Marriott or something. Didn't, didn't inspire. Uh, by the way, I love Marriott. Don't miss me on that. But, but it, it wasn't too impressive, but it was big. And that project had moved so far along that, that everyone on that side of the street, you know, downtown Disney moves from the parks all the way over um, um, that that avenue underneath that goes underneath and then over where the monorail station is. Well, other than the monorail station, everything else was closing up. And so AMC closed up, Rainforest Cafe closed up, ESPN, uh, even Earl's Sandwich had vacated, although later Earl would return, but that's another story. The city of Anaheim felt that the subsidy was, should not be used for that location, but was really intended for a location that was barely more than a block away. Um, and so there became this struggle. And, and I'm telling you, this, this could be an entire book. So I hope I can simplify the story enough, but just to make it very clear that over the years, the relationship has, has, has somewhat weakened between Disneyland and the city of Anaheim. And so they eventually kind of got into this struggle about whether or not Disneyland should be using this tax funds for this luxury hotel um, in the Anaheim Resort District. Well, in the heat of this battle, Josh finally met with the mayor of Anaheim, Tom Tate, um, and there he proposed dissolving those agreements that were creating the friction. That agreement, that would have channeled millions in hotel room taxes to the Walt Disney Company and even barred the city from adding a gate tax to the amusement park tickets for decades. Josh was basically saying, let's rip up this agreement. Let's end the agreement. Disneyland president Josh Amaro asked city leaders in a letter as he met, handed, handed the mayor a letter, uh, the invitation to end, end the incentive agreements. The letter stated, quote, good friends will not always agree. However, the current level of animus is unprecedented and counterproductive. In light of this, we've come to believe that the agreement concerning entertainment tax reimbursement and the operating covenant agreement, which Disneyland previously entered into with the city no longer serve the purpose for which they were intended and, in fact, have become a flashpoint for controversy and dissension in our community. Consequently, we are asking the city to join us in terminating both agreements." End of quote. Well, Anaheim Mayor Tom Tate noted, I, I, I think he was blown away. He says, Quote, I thought it was a good and bold move by Disney. The mayor believed it would usher um, in a new era of improved relations with Disney. Now, in all truth, that move at that time 
also supported Disney's positioning when it came to creating a better footing in a three-year deal with four labor unions representing about 9,700 employees that would raise the minimum hourly wage to $15 by January 19, uh, January 2019, and include a 3% raise for employees that earn a wage at or above that threshold. What was happening is unions were coming down about, the state of California was trying to look toward doing that minimum wage at, at $15 across the board. The union was trying to go for 18%, um, and there was a lot of controversy in this. There was a lot of pressure, particularly from the community. A lot of um, mud was being thrown at Disney saying, basically, you don't care for your cast members. Um, as president, Josh also was at the center of that challenge as well. Critics thought that doing this at this time, same time was kind of a classic union busting move. And I'm, I can appreciate that any cynic could see that. So where I think this differs is not just using one agreement to get a better footing for another agreement, but what Josh did above and beyond that. Recall that Josh... Um, well, this is what Josh did during that same time. He got on board and became a big advocate for the Disney Aspire program. Now, if you're not familiar with this program, this is given Disney cast members um, here at Walt Disney World as well as at Disneyland an opportunity on the mouse to get a college or master's degree, earn a high school diploma, or even learn a trade. Tuition, school... Uh, books and so forth. This is a this is a huge program. Thousands of cast members, tens of thousands of cast members are involved in this program now, and it is an opportunity to raise the level of 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 the employees in this area. Josh also became a big champion against homelessness with a group called Chrysalis. Chrysalis is a nonprofit organization. It focuses on changing lives through jobs. So Josh got on board to that program, said, hey, cast members, let's all volunteer. Let's support this organization, not just donations, but volunteering efforts. Some um, have come out to help train uh, and provide programs, others to help uh, the homeless improve their resumes and work with them to get jobs. In fact, actually some have actually come from that program to actually become effective cast members at Disneyland. So that too has happened. Since then, he has continued on that same promise as he's come to Walt Disney World by revealing plans for improving cast member morale by injecting millions of dollars and upgrading things like backstage common areas and break rooms. And let me tell you, some of those break areas, they needed attention. Now, I don't want to say this is, and I believe Josh would be the first to say this, this is not the Josh show by any means. But I do want to emphasize that these kinds of things 
working with a homeless organization, focusing on helping Disney cast members get an education, working to improve uh, work conditions. Those are the kinds of things. They are not the things that happen behind a desk in trying to come up with some union agreement. Let me just say this about unions. And I've said this many a time in programs I've done. I am not one way or the other with unions. But I will tell you this, if you truly want to succeed in getting greater influence than the unions have, try showing that you honestly care more about your employees than the union does. When you can exemplify that kind of care and sincere commitment and real respect, then let me tell you, generally speaking, you will end up having um, better success uh, in dealing in that arena. Now, I don't pretend, again, to know all the details of that very messy situation, which honestly could be a book, but I do know a few things. Cast members in Anaheim are paid better than they were before. Opportunities for them have dramatically increased. And the city of Anaheim and Disneyland are on a better footing in terms of relationship. Again, all because of Josh, no. But I do believe that the same man who was walking among all those cast members the other day at Disney Springs exhibited the same influence when he was on the West Coast. And by the way, what's the fruit of that? Cast members coming to him as he leaves Disneyland with pocket squares from their costumes. In an interview with the Orange County Register, Josh shared, quote, before you can affect change, you have to listen. It all starts with a hello in the hallway. Look me in the eye. Don't judge me on the position or the costume that I am wearing. Be a human being and have a conversation with me. From a cultural perspective, it literally starts there. End of quote. <laughs> Did I mention that when Josh uh, DeMarle was introduced in the Eisenhears, Eisen, Disney's Eisenhears is the uh, magazine at Walt Disney World. So when he came in uh, November and joined the Walt Disney World family again, he came home because he had been with Walt Disney World years before. Um, on the cover, it says, Welcome Home, Josh. And then underneath it, it says, Follow Josh on Instagram. <laughs> and he gives the address. Now, I have never seen that among, well, I'm not even sure that most of the previous presidents of Walt Disney, and many of them were really good. Many, including, especially including his predecessor, George Calaris. But most of them, I don't think I even had an Instagram account. Let alone put it on on the front page of Eisenhower so that anyone could reach out to the president of Walt Disney World. And by the way, you now have the ability to reach out to the chairman of Disney Parks, Resorts, and so forth. I, I just think that is, I think these are signs of good things to come. And I, for one, am, am just thrilled, thrilled to see this kind of leadership step forward. Now, when I say it's this kind of leadership stepping forward, in my uh, notes page, 
I have this model. It's three circles. And they overlap. And those three circles reference three kinds of leadership. Positional leadership, spontaneous leadership, and personal leadership. Let me walk through all three of those. Positional leaders, well, those are the kinds of people many typically think of as leaders. They're the ones in charge. They're simply those who lead from some kind of position of authority. They have an opportunity to lead by virtue of their title. But title alone does not a leader make. After all, can you think of somebody who was a manager, somebody that you may have reported to, somebody that you had to deal with who was in charge? You'd say, oh yeah, he's the manager, but I wouldn't call him a leader. Conversely, can you think of somebody who was not a manager, but you'd say, yeah, they're still, they're the, they, that's a leader. That is a leader. Well, that brings us to the other two circles. Personal leaders accept responsibility and act consistently to do their work as best they can every day. This is kind of at the other end of the spectrum because I know so often when we think leaders, we think, ah, yeah, those in charge. What makes you a leader is not being in charge. Let me emphasize this. What makes you a leader, especially a great leader, is not being in charge. It is usually more around influence. This may be the individual two cubicles over from you. That person isn't a manager, but they're always there to, to stay late when necessary. Or maybe they're the ones who remember your birthday. Or simply, they get the job done well every time. Organizations that thrive, thrive not just because they have great positional leaders at the top. They have tremendous personal leaders throughout. Let me talk about the third circle, spontaneous leaders. Spontaneous leaders take initiative and see opportunities to lead in times of greatest need. Perhaps there's no better example than the many men and women who lost their lives helping others out on September 11th of 2001. Though many were running out of the World Trade Center that morning, several ran back in, uncertain, but knowing that people needed help. These are leaders whose greatness emerges during moments of crisis. Oftentimes when you think of, say, a great president, you think of somebody like George Washington or Abraham Lincoln. These are definitely individuals who were positional leaders. They were elected president, but I tell you, if, if I asked you to think of a great leader, I'd ask you, how many of you remember um, Calvin Coolidge or um, Harrison or Tyler? You, you don't think of those individuals. Partly because Washington and Lincoln were there at critical times. One led the Revolutionary War. One held our country together in times of civil war. So in that regard, they are spontaneous leaders. Spontaneous leadership is also important, uh, partly because you're there 
and helping out at the right time and the right place. In truth, uh, I think much of what is making Joshi Amaro rise to the occasion is he happens to be there at the right time in the worst situation. Uh, worst situation, like I described uh, earlier, what could be worse than the fact that we are trying to get all of these Disney parks worldwide back up and running again? There is no more difficult challenge than what lies in front of Josh Diomaro. At the same time, he's not new to this idea of leading forward and taking a step and being there as a spontaneous leader. You go back to the situation in Anaheim with the city, with the cast members, his leadership there, smaller instances, situations, but really opportunities to be a leader in the right time and the right place. In my book, Disney Leadership and You, I emphasize that leadership is attaining results while effectively working with others. Now, where leaders excel is not just showing up in these circles, but in truly being the best they can in leading others or in helping others to be a leader. So it isn't just enough for somebody in position to be a great leader. In fact, if I were to say what makes a positional leader really great is that they empower others to be leaders themselves. The, the success of the Disney resorts moving forward will not depend so much on what is decided in a Disney boardroom. Rather, it will depend on the power and the effort and the courage and the hard work that Disney cast members on the front end and throughout the organization will have to put in in order to make these parks rise again. And when you are a great leader positionally, what you do great is not by showing up as a great leader, but even more so by inspiring and supporting and sustaining and empowering everybody else to be a leader. Again, not in the like too many chefs in the kitchen, but simply exercising your personal responsibility to do your best in that area that you're in. This is the opportunity for everyone to rise up and to really make a difference moving the organization forward. Well, I think I've said enough and, and I hope you catch the gist of what I'm trying to share today. Let me just, again, as all Disney at Work podcasts have, we provide you souvenirs for your organization and you don't even need an annual pass to get a discount for these because they're all free. As a leader, and by the way, if you're listening to this podcast, you should be thinking about yourself as one, as a leader. How are you doing in terms of walking in the shoes of others, in terms of modeling the expectations you make on those around you, in terms of taking advantage of opportunities to, to lead out, in terms of attaining results by effectively working with others? and in sharing stories that inspire and build 
and engage and empower and mobilize others to become the best leaders they can be. Those are our opportunities. Disney's chapter will eventually get written, but what about your chapter? How will you write that one? Well, there's more insights like this, not just from one leader, but nearly 100 leaders that have defined the Walt Disney Company over the years. From Walt Disney to Imagineers, to animators, to performers, to secretaries, to frontline people, the company's success has been made real by the labor and the leadership of not just a CEO, but of so many. So if you get a chance, reach out to my book, Disney Leadership and You. I'm not here to plug a book, but I am here to say, if you really like these ideas, then this is going to give you so many more because there are just stories after stories after stories of people who have helped make the Disney company a reality. And in each story, there's a message back to you about how you can be a better leader in creating results by effectively working with others. Thank you so much for joining us for this Disney at Work podcast. And thank you to Josh. He'll probably never hear this podcast, but thank you for modeling great leadership. Thank you for just taking your time to answer a question from a silly guy asking about pocket squares. Um, to all of you, I hope you have a terrific week as you find new ways to lead. And in the words of Sinbad from his storybook voyage, always remember, follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.